daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Fresh steam is being added to China's Spring Festival consumption surge. As the world's second-largest economy taps its supersized market and creates new scenarios and products for its vast consumer base, House China's unleashing of its consumption potential, injecting strong impetus into domestic and global economic recovery. Welcome to Road Today, the panel discussion with Mika Anna. We're coming to you from our studio in Beijing. At Yiwu International Trade City, Chinese Lunar New Year paintings, calendars, couplets are selling hot, with transactions increasing by about 20% compared to the same period last year. In Jingyang Tang, Fujian Province, approximately 300,000 orchids symbolizing happiness and fulfillment have been pre-ordered for the Lunar New Year celebrations. And data from food delivery platforms reveals a nearly fourfold increase in demand for dying New Year's Eve meals compared to last year, with orders surging by over 300 percent. What do these figures indicate about the consumption trend in China at the 2024 Spring Festival? Does the current consumption boom in China signal a promising start for economic growth in 2024? To delve into these questions, let's bring in Einar Tangen, Senior Fellow at Taihe Institute and Chairman of Asian Narratives. Thanks for joining us, Einar. My pleasure. Professor Chu Chang, Research Fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. Great to have you again, Professor. Good to meet you guys. And Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Welcome to the show as always. Thanks for having me. Gentlemen, let's delve into your personal experiences first. Guys, as we celebrate the Spring Festival, I'm curious, what are some of the standout items or experiences you've purchased or indulged to mark the occasion? Einar, would you like to weigh in first? Uh, one of the things I've noticed within the last few weeks is the number of people in restaurants. And, you know, I was kind of expecting that because, you know, there's this uh, tradition and you get together with friends, you exchange gifts and things like that. So I was looking at people and seeing they had bags. They didn't. I, I saw families, uh, couples, few business people, but a tremendous number of just people who were having uh, lunch or dinner together. Restaurants were two months ago, you know, were empty. I, I wasn't even making reservations. All of a sudden, I had to wait to get in. And I was really, really surprised because I know a lot of people in the in the, re, in the hospitality industry and they've been saying that it had been very, very t- uh, tight. So I called them up and they said, no, things, there's been a real, real surge. The numbers really uh, back it up. Uh, you know, you start looking at how many travelers are out. Um, I, I really do. China is back. I think there's a larger degree of confidence despite things going on in the stock market. We'll, we'll have to see. But I, I think 2024 is, um, I'm surprised. It's uh, looking a lot better than I, I thought it might. Crowds poured into the streets to enjoy the holiday season and the festive atmosphere. Professor Chu, how about you? Any special purchases or traditions have you embraced? Oh, yes, I'm very traditional Chinese. Uh, I think uh, the largest indulgement I have for uh, this very special moment of the year is family uh, you know, reunion. Uh, usually we will have a very, very large family gathering, uh, including like more than 10, sometimes 20 people. Uh, you know, uh, we have one saying, there's no word like, you know, there are, you know, overnumbered people on the dinner table of the Spring Festival. So we always try to gather as many people as we, we can. And the more people, the merrier. So uh, food, uh, catering is basically the largest spending, as well as, uh, you know, uh, the men and the family, they will drink and, uh, you know, toast with each other and the children. They will, you know, play some game with each other and uh, also, uh, you know, the mama and uh, aunties, they will have lots of chat to catch up with each other. So this is the most, uh, you know, sacred moment of, of our family and has been continuing for uh, when I can remember things. So I think we're going to extend that tradition and, uh, you know, further uh, extend that tradition with the children and our grandchildren. 
Yes, indeed. As many of us, find our homes brimming with festive delights at the moment. Dr. Zhou, could you please share with our listeners some of the unique or meaningful purchases you've made or activities you've participated in to commemorate this joyous occasion? Yeah, I would say that、uh, for the Spring Festival in China in this year of 2024 is a very、uh, different one because compared with last year, there people are having more preparations. So a lot of my colleagues just、uh, spend some times to you know they saved some holidays of last year and trying to spend them this year. So we can have a little bit earlier holidays even. One week before the, you know, the the official days of the holidays, and many of them were went back to their home to spend, you know, the reunion with their families. As for me personally, we were having our different one compared with last years, and we will go to、uh, the province of Fujian to try、mm. to see the, you know, the beautiful sceneries and also enjoy the food and the culture there. So I we have planned the journey、uh, based on the. On the you know driving by ourselves, so we are traveling from one city to another and trying to to test the different things. I mean that is very interesting because you know China is such a big one country. We have to experience the cultural things in the very important time of this year. Mm-hmm. As we talked about, the ceremonial spirit of the Spring Festival starts with the preparation of New Year goods and traveling. As the festive atmosphere intensifies, major shopping malls, supermarkets, and online platforms witness a surge in sales. And by the late January, the Ministry of Commerce revealed a significant 20% month-on-month increase in retail sales. And nationwide online retail sales are also when. Is a robust 20% year-on-year growth in the same month. So as we navigate through this year's Spring Festival shopping spree, I'm intrigued to hear your insights. What new consumption trends have caught your attention amidst the bustling shopping seasons? Einar, would you like to start? Yeah, one of the things that really impressed me is、uh, Hanfu, and this is not the traditional Hanfu,、uh, the garments that、uh, you know, traditional Chinese garments that、uh, people were wearing, you know, hundreds of years ago.、Uh, you you now start to see some very hip hybrids, where、um, uh, kids are embracing things that are definitely very much Chinese, but they're、um, also you know they they have a Western tweak to them and how the material is put together, the materials themselves, the, the style. In which it's been being done, very very professional, and something that I think is capable of going worldwide, and that really、uh, speaks to me about you know what's happening in China is the creativity.、Uh, this you know for many many years I remember people say oh you know the Chinese yeah they're, they're hard workers but you know they they can't create anything they can't invent anything. <laughs> And you know that's absolutely nonsense. You know, and and you you see that. I mean, you know, if you start looking at the categories of innovation、uh, done by independent、uh, think tanks, and they're judging, they said, you know, China's ahead in the vast majority of the、uh, different areas, like 25, about 29、uh, important techno technological areas. But it just isn't about technology.、Hmm. Uh, it is about culture, and this is what I I, I really. Think projects a new kind of confidence、uh, for China. The idea that they're spreading, bringing their culture、uh, to other people. I, I recently did a a show about、uh, you know what is the Spring Festival, and I was explaining that there are different calendars depending if you're using the Buddhist calendar or you're using the solar lunar calendar. Uh, it can be on different days. It can be called different things in Vietnam. It's called Tet, and Korea it's called something else. But in the end, what it is is a celebration, a renewal of the year. This idea that spring is here. Scientifically, people think that you know, because it has something to do with the moon, it's just superstition. You know, they just select some random day. No, the New Year's is under the Chinese solar lunar calendar. is precisely when the sun is at 34 degrees, so it is very, very accurate in terms of、uh, the you know the actual movements of the Earth. Much more so than、uh, selecting some random day on a calendar and saying, "Oh, that's、uh, the beginning of spring." So there are a lot of things that are going on there, and I, I think that newfound confidence is is what I'm most impressed by. 
Mm-hmm. Professor Chu, what's your insights into the emerging trends in spring festival consumption this year? So yes, I think、uh, the trend for celebrating the spring festival has been much more diversified than before. When I was young, I think、uh, the only game we have is just to watch the you know the spring festival gala for the shows and performances, and only have dinners with our relatives. But、right now, you will see people have their own choices.、Uh, for example,、uh, younger generation they probably will gather together to play video games,、uh, to play their board games, and also to watch some other kind of the uh, uh, you know spring festival galas. Because、uh, like 20 years ago, 40 years ago, we only had one choices provided by the CCTV.、Mm-hmm. But right now, many of the local television TV station. They will provide their own choices for different group of people, and also on the internet, many of the platform of the video stream living, you know, a video platform, they will also provide their choices for the younger generation, as well as for other things. For example, you know, in the past, we only have one choices to prepare our food at home. You know, everybody will work、uh, on the、uh, work in the kitchen, you know, prepare for the.、Uh, Uh, you know all kinds of the dishes, but right now you have more of the choices. For example, you can order different,、uh, you know, dinner in the good restaurant, so you will save lots of troubles to prepare the food and wash all the dishes. And also, you can order some half-made or prepared food from the big shopping mall or big shopping、uh, supermarket. For example, like Costco's, like、uh, you know Walmart. And then they will deliver to your doorstep, and then you will only do a little bit of heating up or、uh, do a little bit, of, you know,、uh, tabling, and then you can prepare a very, very, you know, fancy dinner for a whole family, but with only very little effort. So I think、uh, right now the spring festival has been more convenient. And、uh, more of the choices, but also more, <laughs> you will spend more of the money on it. Indeed. So for Einer, is increasing confidence, and for Professor Chu, that's more options for consumers. Doctor Joe, how have you observed the Spring Festival shopping experiences evolving over the years, particularly in terms of consumer behavior and preferences? Yeah.、I- I think that、uh, it's a very different one because in the past everybody can only have the choices to to go to the shops by themselves. But now we have the platforms. The e-commerce has provided us with so many opportunities and possibilities. So、uh, you know, you are talking about that the culture、uh, that people Chinese people have a very special or unique culture、uh, compared with the Westerns. Like for the this year, for the coming new year, that is the year of dragon. We know that in the Western、mm-hmm. culture, dragon is not a very good thing, but in China, it's a really very important animals that we have trying to describe as、uh, powerful but peaceful, and also can bring us so many good fortunes. So I would say that、uh, with the differences、uh, of the cultures, Chinese people are trying to. Trying to share or you know、uh, to to communicate with their friends even abroad with、uh, short videos like different kind of platforms. So we are provided by so many opportunities to show our intentions. And I have to say that you know in my memory when I was very young, I remember although the festival spring festival is a very important days, but those days are very hard days. Because we have to travel, we have to book for the tickets. We have to wait for maybe overnight to to buy the tickets. It's so、uh, difficult. But now we are provided with so many opportunities and methods of transportation. It makes us much easier in this very important days to indulge ourselves with many times in different places to try different things. So actually, in in my understanding, it's a really improvement to. To reduce the restrictions on us, on the abilities for shopping or consumptions. Speaking of changes, over the past few years, a recurring topic of conversation during the Lunar New Year has been the perceived decline in traditional festive spirit, with many expressing nostalgia for the old-fashioned celebrations. But this year, a new trend has emerged: people are showing a heightened interest in products. Or experiences that reflect cultural heritage in China, domestic branded goods with Chinese culture have become the preferred choice for consumers, and there is a notable resurgence in traditional cultural activities such as visiting street fairs or temple fairs. 
lantern displays, and attending traditional performances. So, given all have been said, Dr. Zhou, how do you interpret these shifts, and why do you think cultural factors are becoming increasingly significant in the context of Chinese New Year celebrations today? I think that、uh, generally speaking, that Chinese people are more confident. We are able to show our, you know, identical culture. You know, China is a, a very old country. We have more than five thousand years of consecutive.、Uh, the the culture has never broken. So we have so many things. But I have to say that Chinese culture is not a universal culture. We still have so many diversities from the different minorities. They have their special、uh, special festivals and also the traditions. Even in the Lunar New Years. In the different times, they are trying to use the food, the clothes, the music, and also some other kind of performance to show their happiness. So I think that for the、uh, very spe special、uh, spring festival in China, the people are trying to be more enjoyable by share what they are able with others by share them with the guests. So you can find that、uh, there are still many people are trying to rent their apartments or houses out for the Guests, so the guests don't have to pay too much to to、uh, stay there overnight and trying to discuss with the host, not only just to use their houses. So it's a kind of thing that、uh, you know Chinese people are trying to share with、uh, you know the different things, and I I think they enjoy that. And also, I would have to say that、uh, the modernization is also in the process. We are not trying to close ourselves. We also、uh, learning something from other countries, and I I think that many of the people are surprised by the, the by the so colorful cultures in many other、uh, countries or regions. So it's a kind of、uh, you know the world should be open, and I believe that the consumption not only limited in China. There are also many people coming from the foreign countries come here to China. They can also have a very happy and important times, and I, I would say that. Will leave them very important memories in staying here in China.、Mm -hmm. Professor Chu, what's your take as、uh, the fusion of culture and commerce is becoming increasingly prominent in China? In what ways have the pursuit of traditional culture and the desire to evoke a traditional festive atmosphere played a role in shaping the unique characteristic of Chinese New Year celebrations today? Well, I think this is an unstoppable trend because every generation in our history, people will just combine the trend and the characteristic of the time, together with our tradition and with our rituals. Our spring festival is very important ritual, very important moment for our culture, in our history. But、uh, you know, every generation they will celebrate those、uh, moment with their own way. And also, right now, I think、uh, for five thousand years, for the first time, China has、uh, entered a modernization period of time with、uh, industrialization, with you know modern civilization, with commercialization. So I think this would be absolutely be part of the new、uh, you know elements in our celebration. But the thing is,、uh, should we just try to maintain? The original, you know, form or original ritual, or we just try to maintain or keep the spirit of this,、uh, you know,、uh, time of the season. So I think the latter one probably would be the core. I think the core is, you know, it's a moment to take some rest, take some day off, and、uh, you know, reunite with your family, gather together with your friends, and also, you know, celebrate this moment and also, you know, look out for,、uh, you know, the rest of the year at the beginning of the year. And hope for the best for everyone, and for family, for our country. And I think if the spirit is correct,、uh, we probably wouldn't try, wouldn't、um, uh, bother too much about how people is going to celebrate that. I think maybe in the future, maybe twenty years later, we're going to celebrate that on the cyberspace. Our younger generation、mm -hmm. would just put on an AI goggle. You know, with the AR goggle and celebrate everything with your real family friends together with your,、uh, you know, virtual friends, you know, enabled by AI. Probably that's going to be a very likely scenario twenty or forty years later. So wouldn't be surprised by that. And、uh, if the spirit is still correct, and I think there's still something need to be looked forward to.
Looking forward to that day. Einer, the festive spirit isn't just limited to domestic market; it's also making waves abroad. Products featuring the iconic Chinese dragon element are experiencing a skyrocketing sales in over 100 countries, with a remarkable 2.6-fold increase in sales compared to last year. Especially noteworthy is the astonishing 50-fold increase in sales of toys. Featuring the Chinese dragon, and nearly 40% of these dragon-themed toys are finding their ways to consumers in the United States, Spain, and South Korea. And over half of the red envelopes adorned with dragon symbols are being snapped up by consumers in the U.S., U.K., and France. Can you elaborate on the significance of the Year of the Dragon theme in driving consumer spending even outside China? Well, yes. I mean, dragons are,、uh, of course, associated with、uh, China,、um, and you know, they, they although they have <laughs> different ideas about you know、uh, what、mm-hmm. dragons are like.、Um, you know, in the West, they you know they're fear- fearsome animals that、uh, might eat you up.、Um, in China, they bring、uh, all sorts of wisdom and good fortune,、uh, but also、uh, they represent this kind of balance of nature. Anyways, but it, I go back to my things. It's about、uh, this、uh, feeling of a A successful country, people around the world, despite the negative narratives that you hear from a lot of in the media and also from governments,、uh, the fact is China's success in so many areas、uh, is beginning to kind of bleed through into this kind of、uh, soft power area. People are very conscious of it. I mean, if you go to the Middle East today,、uh, you'd be shocked to find that almost every single、uh, GCC country. And now has、um, either mandatory or elective Chinese taught、uh, from a very early age,、uh, and this is in all their schools. This would be unheard of if you were we were talking, you know, 15 years ago. People would say, what, "What would be the likelihood that they'd be teaching Chinese in Abu Dhabi?" And it was mandatory, and people would say, "No, no, 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 no. That's never going to happen. Chinese is a difficult language, etc." But I, I would like to just、uh, digress a little bit, Anna, and talk、mm-hmm. about something that I observed, and that is, COVID did have a big effect on、yes. people, and it, for a lot of people, it made them rethink a lot of their values and how they、uh, did things.、Uh, and I think that's in part responsible for the、uh, reaction domestically within China, trying to rediscover what's important to you. And I, I mean this. Having choices, in theory, is supposed to make you more happy, but in actuality, having choices makes many people very unhappy because they feel they made the wrong choice.、Uh, they feel like failures.、Uh, they f- see other people making other choices and being success, and they hold themselves to an unreal standard,、uh, kind of like、uh, with beauty and things like that. And、um, you know, I, I think I hope. Uh, that we never get to this point where, like <laughs> Professor Chu said, you know, we we just、uh, get together virtually online. I think there is something about seeing and and reacting to people and、uh, giving somebody a hug. I think that's very、mm-hmm. important. That's that human element,、uh, you know, is part of the gathering and things like this. But also this idea of what defines our life, what is success,、uh, what, what is really valuable to us, and I think nations go through this periodically. Uh, especially during times after a crisis and things like this, start to say, "Okay, well, we, I, I don't need another Chanel bag. What I really need、uh, is to spend some time with my grandmother and hear the stories about our family,、mm-hmm. uh, and understand, you know, where we came from. How did we get to the point where we are? I mean, everything in China is basically 45 years old in terms of a modern economy. You know, and, and that's a story that you not only want to know yourself, but Perhaps something that you want to tell your children and grandchildren. So, I think there there's some soul searching going on. COVID had something to do with it. You know, it's this idea that what is really valuable、uh, to you and expressing that and finding it. Mm-hmm. Indeed, after the COVID pandemic, we're attempting to redefine what hold true importance for us, and this is where the significance of the Spring Festival lies. Thanks, gentlemen. You're listening now. It's Road Today. We've been talking about China's consumption boom at the Spring Festival with Einar Tangen, senior fellow at Taihe Institute, Professor Chu Chang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, Dr. Zhao Mi, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Let's take a break. We'll be back in a minute.
Hello there. This is Ge Anna, your host of Road Today. Hey there. I'm your host Wang Zhang with the Beijing Hour. As I eagerly await the arrival of my little dragon, I want to share a heartfelt blessing with all the moms and their babies, bundles of joy. For the year of the Chinese dragon, I'd like to wish you 翩若惊鸿，宛若游龙。That's to say that I wish you the grace of startled swan and the wandering dragon in 2024. May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you strength, wisdom, and endless moments of bliss. Wish you and your precious ones a truly enchanting year ahead. Hi, this is Tuyun. May you find the hidden dragon in yourself in the year of the Chinese dragon. 幸运一条龙 be there with me at the chat lounge. Happy Chinese New Year! Welcome back to Road Today, the panel discussion on China's consumption boom at the Spring Festival. We're joined by Einar Tangen, senior fellow at Taihe Institute and chairman for Asian Narratives; Professor Chu Chang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University; Dr. Zhao Mi, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Gentlemen, let's shift gear back to the domestic market. Because of the widespread adoration for Chinese dragons, I've observed another intriguing consumer trend. We know buying gold during the Lunar New Year has long been a tradition in China, but due to the significance of the Year of the Long or the Year of the Chinese Dragon, gold sales have experienced a notable surge despite high prices in China recently. Doctor Zhao, how? How do you interpret the increased consumer confidence and spending ability reflected in the rise of gold purchases during this time in China? Yeah, I think that gold is a kind of a very important treasury that Chinese people usually like to have. It's a tradition from the ancient time. So many Chinese people are giving this gold present to their friends, to their families, and especially in the Dragon Year, I think that it's. A lot of、uh, families are really want to give、uh, important gifts to their children or grandchildren as a kind of a symbol to have a good wish. So the goal is the the prices are not so、uh, flexibilities, and、uh, we see that uh, uh, there are much more、uh, abilities for keeping a, as a treasury of、uh, the values. So I, I think that is some of the reasons that we are seeing that gold. Has become one of the important reserve for many families.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Chu, how do you assess the appeal of gold as both a traditional symbol of wealth and a modern investment option for Chinese consumers, especially in light of the recent increases in gold prices? Well, I think traditionally Chinese people, or many of the Oriental、uh, nations, they do like gold because of its.、Uh, Symbolic meaning for the fortune, for the good luck, and you know everything. So Indian people, Japanese people, Korean people,、uh, Vietnam people, Chinese people included, they all like to buy gold to celebrate a special moment, for the wedding, for the birth of children, for the special moment like Spring Festival for sure. But also, I think that you know the shopping frenzy for the gold recently is not only because of that. But also because you know the current global wide inflation,、uh, it created some kind of expectation that a lot of countries are printing paper notes.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, there's probably going to be more of the inflation coming after that. So people try to preserve their own value by purchasing gold. So I think this is the the most fundamental reason behind this round of the.、Uh, Uh, shopping for the gold, but also I think with the、uh, economy and the monetary policy goes back to the normal. Within the current、uh, two or three years, people's、uh, enthusiasm for the gold will also return to normal, especially when the geopolitical conflicts all over the world are getting easier and easier. You know, when the whole world is getting back to a more stabler situation, and I think. People will just go back to their normal shopping behavior, which is taking gold only as the symbol for the good fortune, and also for a memorabilia, you know, something like that, rather than another financial investment for the value. 
Then, gentlemen, let's talk about another trend that is the unprecedented surge in the tourism market in China. According to Sea Trip, tourism booking during the Spring Festival period have surged more than sevenfold compared to the previous year. Early performance forecasts indicate staggering increases in net profits, exceeding 5,700 percent more for certain tourism enterprises. Cities renowned for tourism, like Zibo, the barbecue city, and Harbin for winter tourism, have emerged as hotspots for travelers, witnessing a remarkable surge of over 14 times in tourism booking orders compared to the previous year. So, Einar, how do you interpret the reasons driving the growing trend of more people opting to travel during the Spring Festival season? Well, I know I'm going to be really boring about my things. I mean, the sense of confidence. Uh, I don't go traveling if I'm feeling kind of like uncertain and things like that, and and people are. And also, you know, getting back to our previous discussion about、uh, virtual reality, well, these people are going to the real thing.、Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, at some point there might be a version of the Star Trek holodeck where you can、uh, recreate something. But until that point, if I want to see a sunrise over, you know, the in Bali. Uh, experience the smell of the, you know, of the ocean and the local foreign fauna, and just have that stillness, that moment of calm as the sun、uh, rises. I don't think that can be replicated in virtual reality, at least not now. And even if you could, I don't think it would be the same. So yes,、um, people are out there.、Um, it shows renewed confidence. And as I said, it's it's really countering these negative narratives that are out there. The Chinese people have spoken. Uh, China is back,、uh, and it's not only just good for China. I mean, last year in 2023, there was 225 billion dollars worth of、uh, spending by Chinese tourists.、Uh, now that that number has just gone up exponentially, this is going to tremendously help、uh, a lot of countries, especially in Southeast Asia, that depend on tourism. So, you know, one good thing leads to another, and the confidence that people feel when they see Chinese tourists coming and spending and being confident is infectious. It will help those countries feel like, yes, there is a better future available. Twenty twenty four may be hard, but it's the beginning of、uh, of a comeback, and I think this is this is really、uh, the point that has to be made. Mm-hmm. Professor Chu, we talked about this in previous shows. This year, a new trend has surfaced. That is, many villages or cities are delving into their local cultural features. For example, if you want to experience the authentic vibe of the Chinese New Year,、uh, the Spring Festival Gala on New Year's Eve is a must-watch. But this year, a lot of villages they are organizing unique Spring Festival Galas themselves, which attracted many.、Uh, Tourists and gain the popularity online. So, how do you look at such cultural events contribute to the overall tourism experiences in rural areas? How will they impact regional economic growth today? Well, first of all, I think China in the past forty years of the reform and opening up really paid attention to what we call the development of productivities, which means China want to you know really fast to get industrialized and modernized. But also, as we discussed many times in our economic, you know, conversations before,、mm-hmm. economy、uh, when they just climb over the threshold of the middle income level, when they try to march toward the high income level,、uh, there is a usually a chronical, but also happening very fast, a shift、uh, of the economic structure, which means、uh, manufacturing productivity, well, is getting slower, but the service,、uh, you know, sector. The service industry is gonna, you know, play a very bigger, very big role in the economy and,、uh, you know,、uh, and the larger share in their GDP. So right now, China has been in this kind of the period of time because Chinese、uh, GDP per capita is getting very close to fourteen thousand U.S. dollar per people. This is the threshold for the high-income country.、Uh, also, in this very moment, Chinese economy, because everybody can see it, is shifting very, very quickly, but also it's gonna evolve for a very long time. From only productivities and manufacturing towards the service industries, for example, culture. Culture, I think, is a very resourceful, you know, mine in China, because China is a、uh, civilization. 
you know, with more than a history of 5,000 years of history. And also uh, there is a saying from, you know, uh, Western scholars, they say China is a civilization in disguise of a country. I think this is very much true because China, I think, is a real melting pot. Because in here we have, you know, hundreds and thousands of different cultures and in different provinces, even in the different cities or counties or villages, they have a very, very the distinguishedly different way of celebrations and cultures. For example, in the northern China, people will eat the dumplings, jiaozi, or mm. in the southern China, they probably will eat rice dumplings, uh, the the tangyuan. And also in the Tibetan or Xizang region of China, they probably will have the the Xizang jiaozi or Xizang noodle. But also in the Xinjiang province, in the uh, Uyghur regions, the local people will combine uh, spring festival habits together with the local traditions to eat barbecue lambs or something like that. So it's basically not enough for you to savor what is called the Chinese spring festival mm -hmm. in one night or even one day, one month or even one year. So you will have to travel all around. You know, we have a saying, if you go to different villages or different provinces in your whole lifetime to know what is Spring Festival in China, one lifetime is not enough. It's not even close to enough. So if every region will discover their own specialty, their own culture, their own brand, and find out, you know, the local habits, tradition, and also commercialize them and brand them out, and I think this is not only good for the businesses, but also very good for, you know, the conservation, preservation for the culture. So I think this is really something we need to celebrate and help to boost and promote. Mm -hmm. I believe that's why we've seen unprecedented surge in tourism market as people seek to immerse themselves in different customs across China. So, Dr. Zhao, speaking of travel, you said you and your family will travel to Fujian province by self-driving, right? That's indeed another interesting phenomenon this year. According to Ministry of Transport, 80% of the anticipated 9 billion passenger trips during the holiday are expected to be self-driving trips, setting a new record. So how do you view the shift from rail, road, aviation, and water transportation? What's behind the significant number of people opted for self-driving trips this year? Yeah, I think... For the self-driving, it's uh, more flexible and people can design their plans based on their abilities of driving and they can go anywhere that they have, uh, you know, the willingness to go. And if you're looking at uh, the road status, I would say that uh, it is still having uh, some new phenomena this year compared with the previous years because this year there are more e-vehicles on the way. So, uh, you know, highway systems are improved a lot, you know past a few decades. Well, one of the characteristics is that they are providing the car users with different abilities. They can use the gasoline cars or they can even use the EV vehicles. So it's a kind of a possibilities. Well, uh, if you are looking at the people, I think that many of the people are not trying to be uh, designed or decided by the tourist uh, agencies. So they can make some plans by themselves. They can choose some places that are not so many people going there. So they can have more leisure time if they plan to do that. And it's much more possible for us to not only stay in China, because we can have some kind of arrangement to the neighboring countries like to Vietnam through the arrangement by the bilateral governments. The people have more choices. Gentlemen, as we come to the end of our program, let's take a look at the overall economic impact of the Spring Festival shopping spree. The Lunar New Year spending spree not only signifies China's yearly consumption trends, but also presents a pivotal opportunity for propelling economic growth through consumer activity. In 2023, we know China's economy surged by 5.2%, meeting its major projected goals, with final consumption expenditure accounting for 4.3%. Then, Einer, in light of this emergence of new consumption trends, how do you perceive their impact on shaping the broader consumer landscape in China in the following year? Well, obviously, it's uh, very, very positive. Uh, people are very confident at the beginning of the year, and they're showing it by actually uh, doing a lot of expenditure. 
that bodes very, very well. I mean, there can be uh, all sorts of issues that are cropped up. I mean, we see the conflicts that are happening in the uh, in the Middle East, uh, in uh, Ukraine, etc. Uh, there's a lot of other things that are happening. But I think internal confidence, and I keep coming back to this, within China itself is experiencing, you know, a lot of growth. People are very different. As I said, from the very beginning, I noticed people in restaurants and they're just there. They're, they're consuming. They're having a good time with their partners or with small groups and things like that. Then you have uh, this consumption push. Uh, people are going out. Air China alone is adding 1,700 flights per day, up 32% from 2019. 2019 was the normal. This is 32% above that. So I think China is back, and I think that's the, the real story, and that it's going to be a very good year. Remember, last year was 5.2%, but that was based on a lower, uh, lower base year in 2022. But I think uh, if this continues, if the stock market holds and things like this, I think uh, this could be really a, a very, very important year because if China shows that it can continue to grow despite all the naysayers and things like this, it will usher in a, a different kind of world. Uh, as we enter 2025, people will say, look, China knows how to handle itself. Planning, good leadership, these are the things that are important, and it will lift China's internal sense of themselves and also externally. Professor Chu, so looking ahead, what are your predictions for the future trends and patterns in Chinese consumer behavior, especially during festive seasons like the Spring Festival? Well, uh, I think in this new era and a new uh, development phase of China, several features uh, would be very likely to appear in the next coming five or ten years. Number one is what we call the quality to, you know, price ratio consumption, which means people are looking for a better deal. And previously, like 20 years ago, people look for luxury brand, something you know which can you know prop them up. But right now, more people are talking about, hey, is this a good deal? Is this a really good quality product, but with a reasonable price? So this is going to be a major theme and characteristic for the future shopping, as well as for people are taking more of the, uh, uh, you know, importance in the health-related, you know, shopping and consumption. Traditional Chinese medicine, uh, you know, a hiking in the nature, camping, as well as just skiing. You know, this kind of, uh, you know, new what we call new consumption probably. In、uh, Western countries are very, you know, normal, but in China, there really can be, you know, the new trend popped out in、uh, the past two or three years. Now, meanwhile, people are paying attention to what we call the technology consumption, as we talked about before.、Uh, you know, virtual product,、uh, digital products will be the thing. So I think,、uh, and also as well as Einar has mentioned about is the culture consumption.、Uh, you know, Hanfu, you know, the tour in the museum to buy things represent the,、uh, you know, the cultures.、Uh, you know, to learn more about the culture education. So this kind of the culture spending will also be part of the、uh, future as well. So I think、um, if、uh, the businesses can catch up with the trend, so they probably will become a you know very good company in the future. Mm-hmm. Dr. Zhou, what's your take? How do you anticipate these observed consumption trends evolving in the future, and what implications might they have for businesses and policymakers aiming to、uh, navigate the Chinese consumer market during major festivals like the Spring Festival? Yeah, definitely. From the government perspective, it's a real important thing for China to have a sustainable development based on the consumption. Because consumption is much more sustainable compared with the investment and the trade, so the government is really want to giving the consumers more abilities to trying to consume many of the things to upgrade their consumptions. Well, on the other hand, I think that consumers are able to buy more things to support their new demand and upgraded demand, and、uh, because they are going to have a better income and they have better information to get from the choices. So、uh, it's a kind of a trend that、uh, in many the festivals, many very important holidays in China, people are really want to spend the time and some of the money to buy more things to consume, not only for the、uh, physical goods but also for the services like the tourism. So it's a really 
uh, potentials for the both sides of the government and the consumers to have a benefit from this uh, consumption in China this year. Mm-hmm. Dr. Zhou, if we look at the consumption boom during the Chinese New Year, it seems like a promising start for Chinese economic growth in 2024. But Western media tends to be more pessimistic. Predicting China's economic decline this year, as stated by the Economist, the economy is losing ground. So, how do you assess the contrast between these predictions and the upbeat trends observed during the Spring Festival economy? We know that every year the Western media will say that China's economy will bad, and、uh, you know it never happens. Maybe it is true that China's economy is under pressure, but I, I don't. Think that is a really dangerous thing because you know when the the people of the life are having、uh, some difficulties, it is especially the time for them to find more solutions. You know, from the past, we know that Chinese economy is very resilient, and we are better use not only the abilities of the resources to deal with the traditional ways. Of the resources, but also trying to create more new room for innovative ways of、uh, development. It is also observed by the some of the forecasts of the international organization, including IMF and OECD. They also giving a better forecast for this year's development in China in the GDP terms. Professor Chu, how do you interpret this disparity? What does the Spring Festival economy mean for China's economic growth in the coming period? Well, I think the reason why is that、uh, you know they spent too little time in China in the recent one or two years. I really suggest them to come here and take a walk to see what the real situation is like.、Uh, China's economy is shifting gears for sure, but when they shift gears, they still have a very solid fundamentals here in China. Vitality is still a lot, and also the economy structure is very resilient.、Uh, we in、uh, in Western economics have certain models to you know judge for the performance of an economy. For example, the population's growth, and investment's growth, the assets price, certain things like that. But if you only take that kind of the、uh, simple factors of our Only several variants to judge for the future of the economy's development, and I think、uh, the vision will be blurred. You know, we have already seen many stories happened. For example, like in Germany,、uh, like in America, after the Great Depression and after many of the shifting of their economy, and we have seen the economy in South Korea and in Japan. The vision, most of the economy was talents with their natural endowments. Eventually, well, after several times of shifting gears, they will climb up to the higher ground of their economy, achieving, you know, what they can do in their economy: higher standards, higher technology. So, I think China, I'm very confident in the future, will climb over this, you know, high income level threshold, which is fourteen thousand U.S. dollar, and march to a higher ground. Because eventually, we'll see. High income level of economy is not determined by you know population. If population is only determines, you will see Africa is probably the most developed、uh, continent of the whole world. And meanwhile, the demographic structure wouldn't、uh, wouldn't decide that as well. Otherwise, India would be the most、uh, you know developed nation in the whole world. Meanwhile, natural resources wouldn't decide that. Otherwise, I think、uh, you know Russia would be the most、uh, developed nation in the whole world. So I think. This development of a co-economy would be the combination of many things. A lot of people say、uh, institutions would be the one. Well, if institution can be the determinants of an economy, well, I think you know、uh, Haiti and、uh, you know Philippines,、uh, who have the same copy of American Constitution, will also be the most developed nation of the whole world. But Singapore proved that their system can also work, even though Singapore system is very different from America, from、uh, England, and、uh, you know Germany. So I think China will have their own way. China will just try to find out what is the best for its own reality and find out the super pass, cross the river by filling the stones. So in the future, I think China will have their fair share in the world civilization and the world economy. Indeed, Einar, what's your perspective on Western media's pessimistic outlook on China's economic growth in 2024, and what implications does the performance of the Spring Festival economy hold for China's economic trajectory in the near future? 
Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned The Economist. I, I actually like a lot of articles in The Economist, but I chuckle because for the last 20 years, they've been uh, predicting the eminent demise of China and its economy. They're always wrong, but not in doubt, as uh, my grandmother used to say. You know, what, what does this uh, really mean? Well, a part of it is this is a propaganda war. What you have is uh, geopolitical rivalry. The U.S. Uh, spent, uh, you know, $300 million a year for five years, $1.5 billion training journalists on how to write negative stories about China. They weren't doing that because they were trying to push a reality. It's part of the $90 billion a year that goes to the intelligence services, and a lot of that is for disinformation. So if you can push that aside and, and just talk about how is the world changing? Well, let's take El Salvador. The president there, President Bukele, was just reelected with 80%. He is basically a new kind of populist. He has taken El Salvador from being one of the most crime-ridden and dangerous nations on earth, and definitely in South America, to being now one of the safest. Uh, murder rates, uh, serious crime has gone down by huge amounts. And what has he done? Basically, he's rounded up all of these gang members who were, in essence, running the country and put them behind bars. You know, most countries, you know, democratic countries would be yelling, screaming, this is terrible, you know, how can you do this? But, you know, for the people who live on the street, who don't have to pay protection, who don't have to send their children away because they're afraid that they'll be murdered or forced to join a gang, this is what they want. People want results from the government. They don't want to hear about, well, you have the freedom to say anything and you have the freedom to vote who you want, but, you know, we can't provide a, a safe place for you and your schools and your children are at risk and your personal safety and the economy. There's no plan for it and we're just going to shift back and forth. You know, what China is demonstrating is that there are different models and that countries have to follow their own path as they go forward. But the, the role of government is to deliver results, not to talk about processes that basically endanger you. So, and this, I think, does go back to my, you know, I keep saying the, this new confidence uh, within China, mm -hmm. which is going to be a much larger feature as China goes forward. But hopefully it does not become arrogance. Countries, unfortunately, when they experience a lot of success can suddenly say, oh, we're great. No one else is great. And they should just follow us. I think China is, you know, they have a long enough history where you, you can say to yourself, just says, look, don't be arrogant, be humble. Humble is the key to progress. You can see what happened to the U.S. when we became arrogant and insisting that we should always be on top. It hasn't worked out well for us. Uh, mm -hmm. I think China has the wisdom to, to avoid that pitfall and in so doing, hopefully make a better world, shared future for mankind, etc. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Einar, and thanks to all of our panelists. Einar Tangen, Senior Fellow at Taihe Institute and Chairman of the Asia Narratives. Professor Chu Chang, Research Fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. That's all the time for this edition of Road Today with Mika Anna. If you want to hear this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching Road Today, or you can find us on X is CityTN Radio. Thank you again for listening and wish you a year of good luck and prosperity in the year of the Chinese dragon.